Father, I thank you so much for your great love. I thank you, Lord, that while I was a sinner, lost in my own personal darkness, while I was your enemy, you loved me, and you saved me. You came running after me like we were just singing. I can hardly talk about it because your, your love is overwhelming. It has wrecked my life forever. I'm so thankful, so thankful for your great love for all of us in this room, for the whole world. You laid down your life and you gave your body. You died on the cross so that we could have forgiveness. While we were your enemies, you died. While I was your enemy, while I was cursing the church and declaring my life as an opposition force to Christianity, you chased me down. You rescued me because of your great love. You didn't die for me because I was a worthless crumb that had no value. You saw something in every one of us. You died. You went to the cross for us because of your great love and your great worth and value that you saw in every one of us. You don't create junk. You don't create trash. We may trash the creation that you've made us to be, but that's not what you see. That's not what you created. Each one of us is a work of art that you made. And you love us. You love us so much that you would send Jesus to die and to take our sin upon himself. And so because of that, this day we say thank you. I say thank you, Father. Thank you, God, for your great love for me. I could never earn it. I could never deserve your love. I could never make you love me more now than you did the very first day that I realized who you were. Your love has never changed, and your love never fails. So Paul prayed in, in uh, with the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. I'm just going to read this prayer, but I'm going to pray it over us this morning. He said, So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. He's the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches, unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply and intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. So, Father, we just open wide our hearts. It's hard to believe, it's hard to wrap our minds that, around the fact that you love us so much, 
but we believe it this day. We declare it this day. You are a good, good father. You're a good father, and you love your created ones. You love your sons and your daughters, and you're calling us home. So we come home to you this morning. We come home to you, and we just rest. We rest in your love. We rest in what Jesus did for us by opening up the gate, opening up the door through his broken body on the cross. And we just come running. We come running as your sons and daughters. We come running into your presence. We come running home to you. And we just rest in the embrace of the Father this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on up, Smiths. Good morning, kings and priests. Um, I know this morning I woke up kind of draggy. I went for a ride yesterday on my bike and it was sun was shining and didn't put on my riding suit like I usually do this time of year. I just put on my coat and rode into Walmart in Bremerton. It was still great. And then I came outside and it was pouring down rain. And it continued to pour down rain. All, almost all the way home, I ran into two different um, hailstorms, and that hurt too. It was coming down hard. Anyway, so this morning I woke up kind of draggy, and it's like, Lord, you know, I am not going to put up with this. So if anybody's feeling draggy, or if you're feeling any kind of lack, I just want to say a quick prayer over you guys. Heavenly Father, right now I speak over the bodies and bank accounts of everyone in this room. Right now in Jesus' name, your strength, not just your strength, but your supernatural strength, mm -hmm. your supernatural provision, let there be no lack or weakness in our lives, Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. Where you are strong, we are strong. And right now in Jesus' name, I say blessings upon each one in this room. Mm -hmm. Let their bank accounts be full. Let their bodies be healed, healthy, and whole. In Jesus' name. That's good. So during worship, uh, just I felt the, the Lord, you know, just asked me to share briefly. So when I was growing up, my parents were divorced when I was very young. I, I don't even ever remember them being together. And, um, and then they went on to have further spouses, and there was also stepchildren and half-siblings involved in all of this. And, um, and then they were moving here and moving there, and so life was very chaotic. And um, I knew that in my heart that I did not want that kind of life for myself. I wanted to be in... I wanted to be in a stable place. I wanted to know where I was going home to every night. I wanted my own bed, my own pillow. And uh, so I really had this desire for a family that um, would work. And so at age 19, here is David and I, we were already, we were already hooked up, um, I think. Um, shacking. We, yeah, we were shacking. Yeah. But... Uh, I met, David and I met, I was 13, and he had just turned 17, and um, in my little 13-year-old mind, I was like, 
I'm going to make this work. I'm going to stick it out. And then by the time I was 19, you know, everything had fallen apart. And uh, I was not serving the Lord, but um, more like running away from him. But God was so faithful and so patient. And in those quiet moments, he would say, He'd say, well, I'm right here. Are you ready? And I'd like, no, no. Um, I want to live my life and have fun. And he said, well, are you having fun? And no, I wasn't. I was absolutely miserable. So at 19, I just said, Lord, um, you know, I'll, I'll surrender to you. But this is, this is my condition. I have to have a family that works. Can't ha- I can't have this chaos for my children. Can't have this chaos continue. It's got to stop. And he very clearly spoke. He said, "He said if you will, if you will, be obedient." He said, "I will parent you." It wasn't just I'm going to father you. I'm going to mother you. I will parent you. He's going to be all things to me. And. Um, so I didn't always, I, I agreed to that. I said, okay, that sounds good. I'll do that. <laughs> I didn't always understand what that was going to require uh, when he said to be obedient. I mean, being obedient sometimes meant that I had to submit to him when I thought he was wrong. But um, it was the toughest thing for him. It was, <laughs> it was the toughest thing for me. So, but in all of that, um, God has been faithful. Um, you know, he's had caused me to work through those issues that, um, you know, were causing damage. And so kind of like a, a part two to that is that um, in, in that following the Lord and in his leading and in his instructing, um, I would come across these places, I would have um, memories, and I'm sure we all have these, where there's memories, and it literally will make you shudder. Either you're so embarrassed, or you're so ashamed, or you're so, um, you just wish it would go away. And it's these sorts of, um, these sorts of memories that when they're, when they have that attack, when they're attached to you, where they make you feel that shame, when they make you feel that fear, that's where the enemy has a stronghold. And so one of the things that the Lord did show, share with me or, or teach me is that he said, um, in that place where you have that shame, where you have that fear, he said, I want you to know that I took that fear, I took that shame on myself. And so through just his, just through his patience, leading and guiding, you know, he's like, I want you to see that I have borne that, and I want you to see that picture, I want you to see that memory, and, and it was just, it was beautiful, because now I can go back to those memories, and there's no sting attached to it anymore, there's no shame, there's no fear, it, it just, he just took away the pain, he took away the sting, and said, um, this no longer has the high place in your heart and mind, in your memory. It is just a scene from your past. It doesn't hold you any longer. And so what I, what I feel like the Lord is saying is that he wants to do the same for you. Um, you know, in your, in your quiet times, 
um, just say, Lord, I know that you have borne this shame, this fear, and you've taken that sting upon yourself. And so I yield to your goodness and your mercy and your grace. And um, so I, and just real quickly, I did find a verse this morning. We've been purging our house. Oh, yeah, it, it's not been a fun task. But I did come across a verse that I had written years ago that I have kept as a promise. And it's Psalm 16. And um, let me see. Thank you. So it's Psalm 16, verse 5 through, um, oh, probably 5 and 6. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely, I have a delightful inheritance. And I came across that verse that I had written years ago, and um, just that prayer that I prayed at 19, that the Lord said that he would make my family work. And so I, I'm, I'm up this morning looking at the window, the sun's shining, you know, and I'm like realizing, oh my goodness, this verse has come to pass. You know, we're finally, we're finally in a good place in our relationship. We're, at least we're, we're having a good year. <laughs> took 39 years. It took, the, it took 39 years. But it's, it was, I was looking, you know, and we've been in our house for over 25 years. So I know where I'm going every night. And um, we had our granddaughter with us. And I never, you know, I, I didn't have that experience when I was a kid. And I'm, I'm realizing, wow, Lord, you kept your word, and um, our lines have fallen in a delightful place. So thank you. And I just, just want to encourage you just to, um, just don't, when, you, when the enemy is trying to torment you, um, just, you just yield yourself to the Lord. You know, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Well, that's it. <laughs> Does any of the uh, ministry team have a word of encouragement or testimony? Oh, I got shocked. <laughs> so about two weeks ago, um, well, last week, Emily had her acuplacer test, and, but a couple weeks ago... <clears throat> I was like, I don't want you to go. <laughs> I don't want you to go to college and have college ruin you. The next day I was doing dishes <laughs> and putting on, I put on Graham Cook and he was preaching on what if. And I was like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> it was the greatest thing. What if, and I heard God say to me, what if she goes to that college and a revival breaks out? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I just really feel, and I was stirred last week, but, and I felt like it wasn't quite the right timing, but I just feel like God wants you to trade whatever that thing is that's bugging you for what if. What, 
What if? We have a big God, and we don't live in fear. So what if, you know? I'm going to do the same thing as her with two sons because I got two sons leaving me on the same day this week. So I totally understand the Lord kind of ministered the same thing to me. Oh, come this way. <laughs> but I feel like this morning, I feel like the Lord wants to encourage you and build your faith. And one of the ways he does that is by allowing you to hear other people's testimony. And so this morning, he wanted me to share with you a testimony, what he did for me a couple days ago. A couple days ago, I woke up and he asked me to give a financial um, seed. Um, and um, I asked him how much, and he gave me a specific amount. And immediately I started to think, oh, I gotta check my bank account first. <laughs> I don't know if I have that. He knew what I had. Um, but um, I just said, okay, Lord, I'll do this. Um, I trust you. And I kind of threw at him two situations that, you know, I go, well, what about, you know, I need you to help me take care of that because, you know, but build my faith, Lord, and help me to continue to trust you. And I've seen what he's done before when I trusted him. He's done great and mighty things, and we read it about it in his word, but sometimes we need reminders, and, and he wants our faith to be solid. So he sends reminders and he sends and uses people. So I went ahead and um, released and gave what the Lord told me, the specific amount. And um, I was thanking him for providing that. And then by the time I got home, like within two hours, I rushed in the house and jumped back out to leave. And an old friend of mine I hadn't seen in a long time drove up. And I was like, oh, hey, how you doing? She came out of her car and she handed me this white envelope. And I said, what is this, invitation? She's like, no, a thank you letter, no, <laughs> you know? And she says, no, it's something that the Lord asked me to do this morning, and um, I'm just being obedient. And then she drove off, and just before I left, I opened the card, and she's just like some little card um, thanking me for years of friendship, little things, but there was some cash in there. <laughs> and I started counting the cash, and I was like, 20, 40, 60, and I started going, oh, I said, this better not be the amount that the Lord told me to give, because if it is, my faith is set. I'm set. I'm, I'm set. And it was exactly the amount that the Lord asked me to give away that day. And I was in my car just in awe, and I immediately thanked him because, you know, that, her, okay, I obeyed him because he was talking to me about obedience. Even though I was like, well, I got to do this and that, but he was like, you know how obedience is better than sacrifice, and how he wanted me to trust him, but he was so sweet and gentle about it. And I had no idea he was going to give that money back to me, like, in two hours, and I needed that money. <laughs> I went grocery shopping with that money. But he gave it right back to me. So after that, I'm done. I'm like, Lord, there is no doubt. I repent of whatever. You know, Lord, I 
Never again. He wants our faith solid in him and only him. And don't worry about nothing else. He got us. He's faithful. And he'll take care of us. But now we got this faith. This faith is going to continue to grow. And I feel like he wants to do that with all of you. He wants to build your faith. And he's going to be doing that. So, amen. Praise the Lord. He is so good. And you all know that I'm an exhorter. That's why I get loud. I can't be quiet and exhort. There's no way. <laughs> but I exhort, edify, and comfort. And that's what we're all supposed to do. And I was just looking at these two. And you said, you guys, you guys are being discipled to go out on your ministry very soon. That's what I see. Don't be afraid. Step out in that faith that you have in God, and things will start happening. Because he said you have to step out before, before anything happens. We can't just sit down and say, oh, God said we're going to do this. No. I mean, really, step out soon. I see that right now. I see that you guys are being, we're, we're not all here to just sit down and stay here Sunday after Sunday. We are being discipled to do what God has called us to do. And we all don't have the same calling and gifting. Similar, but not the same. And so I just bless these two right now as I was sitting back there listening to you. I bless you guys in the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you cover them. You cover them, Lord. Your shadow, Lord, over, over, just overwhelms them, Lord, as they, Lord, abide under your covering, Father, that you are giving them the gifts and the anointing to go forth in your name, Lord Jesus, and you're protecting them and protecting your word that is sealed in their hearts. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm so excited. Oh, Lord. But I came up here to, to give a testimony. We had our, our Friday house fire, and uh, we were worshiping. We had, we, we had the spirit of laughter, which is so awesome. The joy of the Lord is, is, is still permeating through me. I can't hardly even contain it. Uh, and I know others, too, are still... <laughs> I'm not going to start. But, you know, that joy, I mean, uh, we're laughing just because. And uh, because how good he is. And he gave us a joy that night and a laughter, belly laughs. And it's not fake stuff. I don't, I, I don't fake laugh. I don't do that. You look ridiculous and stupid if you do that. But uh, <laughs> this was the joy of the Lord. And he is our strength. And I wanted to say that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, the Lord is saying that some, some have lost their joy because you didn't have the joy of the Lord. Uh, happiness is fleeting. Happiness is temporary. But the joy of the Lord is permanent. It's a gift from God. And he says, he says that he strengthens you. The joy of the Lord will strengthen you. This is a gift, an eternal gift from the Lord. And you need that. Happiness, no. Don't say, oh, you know, I, I need happiness. No, you need the joy of the Lord. And through all that you go through, no matter what you're going through, you're going to have that joy. You will have that joy. He doesn't give you a gift and take it back. 
But you call on him, say, Lord, I need your joy. And it will well up within you, that joy. Oh. Some have gone down so much, the Lord is saying, that you even had thoughts of suicide. And the Lord said to submit yourself to him. And he will give you the joy. All you have to do is ask him. And I command that spirit of suicide to leave these persons in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that your spirit is upon them. And that you will not allow the enemy to take them out. In the name of Jesus. Because you love them. You gave your life for them. You love them, Lord. And let them just feel your love. Not just the joy, but that love. The joy unspeakable, yes. But let your love permeate and let them know, Lord, that you love them no matter what they have done. That your love is everlasting. And it's not according to what they've done. You love them unconditionally. Thank you, Lord. I just had said that the Holy Spirit is just telling me that. And you, you know when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you're going to have to like be obedient at that time. Because it's very urgent. If it's an urgent word that can save a life, the Lord will do that. So anyway, I came up here to testify of the, our kids here. As we were worshiping that night, I was in excruciating pain where I had to sit down. I couldn't stand up all the way uh, through the whole worship. Um, I sat down because my back was in excruciating pain and I had a shoulder, my right shoulder was in horrible pain as well. So uh, later on, I, you know, I, we were talking and I said, kids, come up here and pray for me <laughs> because I just believe that our children believe Jesus and not head thoughts, but Jesus thoughts, Jesus hearts. And so when you ask them to do something, in Jesus' name, they'll do it. So they came up. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of chatter or anything, but they laid their hands on me, and I was drunk in the spirit. I was, like, almost falling down. And they prayed for me, and uh, I could feel one particular hand here, but all of them prayed for me, and I got healed by all their faith put together. But it was landed. I had to mention that. God has something for you, your childlike faith. His hand was on there, and I opened my eyes to see, okay, I felt, I felt all hands, but there was one particular one that was heating up my, my shoulder, and you all have. Then my back, from pain to Novocaine, I felt like Novocaine was in my back. I was, it was so numb, and I... <laughs> And it's just the joy of the Lord. And so what my testimony is, I woke up the next morning, not, you know, and I, I went to scrub my toilet. Usually, usually when I'm scrubbing the bathroom, my back hurts because I have to bend. And, uh, and then I started washing one, uh, you know, giving one of my dogs a bath. And then I, just re and then I realized, I go, hey, I have no pain. I have no pain. <laughs> I mean, I woke up in the morning. Usually I get up and I'm like, oh my God, you know, Lord, heal me. I'm so much in pain. But I had no pain. And then this morning, I was, I was so excited to get up to check it out again. 
I had no pain. <laughs> oh, somebody says that's psychological. No, it is not psychological because I know pain and I know Novocaine. <laughs> and it was from pain to Novocaine. It was just so numb and, uh, and that numbing feeling. And, uh, and these past two mornings I got up, no pain. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's good. If you need healing, if you need healing in your body, he's here today to do that for you. And I would like the kids to participate because, see, they're being trained up also. They're not here just to sit. No, we got some working kids here. And uh, so, and uh, you, I have my checkbook up, uh, up here. I'm not here to write you guys out a check, but I'm here to ask the children to pray over my checkbook. I mean, if my body is healed, I want my checkbook and my bank account healed. And I want, I want prosperity in it. And I don't care what y'all think. I want to use these children to pray over my checkbook. And anybody else want to get, into the, get, in, get in for this same thing, then bring up your checkbook or your wallet or whatever, whatever you need. I mean, this is, this is walking in faith, right? This is what we call the, the faith walk. Not the talk, but the faith walk. Amen. So, uh, yeah, kids, can you come up uh, and lay your hands on my checkbook? <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else? If you guys are all rich, then good for you, but I need my... And if anybody else wants healing in their body today, just come on up and the kids will lay hands on you. But we're going to let them, let them loose. So kids, don't leave. Nancy. Yes. Nancy, we're just going to shift things around. It's okay. This morning, we just want to take time. I feel like the Lord wants to continue this. We don't want to lose the opportunity right now. So... Nancy would like prayer for some healing in her body. And you can tell us, or it can be, and, and her bank account. So you don't have to tell us what it is, but if you want to, we can pray specifically. Hey, guys, one thing I like to do with the kids, um, I tell my kids this all the time, is turn on your sprinkler. So the Bible says that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and out of our innermost being would flow rivers of living water. So there is no junior Holy Spirit, as Sharon was just saying. You have the same Holy Spirit that we have. So I would like to pray, and I would like you guys to put your hands on her one more time, and we're just going to agree together, and you guys just release the presence of God. You carry the most powerful person in the universe living inside of you because of your faith in Jesus. You have that royal authority, that exousia authority. So in Jesus' name, we just speak over Nancy and we just break off that spirit of trauma in Jesus' name from any accidents and we release freedom in Jesus' name, freedom to dream, freedom to be inspired, freedom to create, freedom over her finances, over her coming and going, freedom over her whole household. God, we just declare your blessing over her and we just say be refreshed and be refueled and invigorated by the Spirit of God in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.
If anybody else wants to get in on this before we shift gears, the kids are getting ready to go back to their chairs. It's never too late. We will, we will gladly make room. We will gladly make room at the end of our uh, meeting, gathering, for more prayer if anyone needs it. Thank you, guys. Kids, you guys did awesome. You better preach. I got to get my phone. Okay. Ha ha. I've got the microphone. <laughs> you got something? No. Isabel, would you go ahead and put that picture up? Okay, I showed you guys this picture a while back. This image, not the kid with the peeps, but this image of uh, Gulliver or whatever. I don't know who the giant is and who the, the people of Lilliput, the little munchkins, whatever. That image kept coming to mind over the last probably month or so. And I think that God wants you guys to know, all of us in this room, kids and adults, all of us as believers, as those who have been adopted into the family of God because of your faith in Jesus, you have been translated. You have been transferred. The transfer papers have been put in and they have been stamped in blood in the name of Jesus. You have been transferred from one kingdom to another, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You are now a citizen of heaven. If you're a Christian in this room, you are a citizen of heaven. I don't care how many things are holding you down, but that is you. God created you to be a giant in the kingdom, a giant in his kingdom. He has dreams. He has a vision for your life. He has a dream and a vision for my life. He has a prophetic picture, a destiny for each one of us, that we would grow, that we would run with Jesus, that we would keep in step with the Holy Spirit, and that we would become this mature person in Christ. Mature meaning that we look more and more like Jesus every day, that we have a relationship with the Father like Jesus did, that we could hear the voice of God. So back to this picture. Many of us are in different stages of being unpinned. And, you know, we, we get pinned down. We, we get bound down by the enemy because of his lies. And it's lies that we choose to believe. So anytime we hear a lie and we partner with that lie and we, we agree with it and we actually go as far as declaring it, which is dangerous to speak the lie, you know, the enemy wants to hijack you. He wants to hijack your thoughts and your mouth so that he can establish his kingdom through you. Does that make sense? So if the devil comes and says, this sickness is going to end in death, and you're thinking that thought, you're like, it seems like it's just my own thought. I feel like this sickness is going to end in death. Well, I've just declared something that I'm, I'm agreeing with, I'm partnering with a lie. And those lies are typically found in four different areas of our lives. The lies are about God, that, he's a not, that he is not a good God, that he's not a good father, that he is not for you, that he's against you. There's lies about God that we believe 
oftentimes. And the enemy wants you to believe lies about God. He wants you to believe lies about yourself, who you really are. Well, you're just a sinner. You're saved by grace, but you're just a sinner. Look at what you did. Look at what you think. You know, the devil just, he can go on and on. He's got diarrhea of the mouth sometimes. He's like these little peeps. He just surrounds us. He's just like, peep, peep, peep. He just can't stop peeping. I just want to take those little peeps and eat them. Show them who's boss. But then I'd really become a giant in more ways than one. So it's lies about God. It's lies about ourselves, who we really are, what God says about us. It's lies about other people. He wants you to believe the worst about the people that are in your life. Could be the people in this room, the people that you're married to, your sons, your daughters, your friends. The devil wants you to believe lies about people. He wants you to speak hopelessness and no future over people. Or at least if he could get you to think it. But if we could only see and hear the heart of the Father for every person that we come in contact with, and we were convinced in our own spirit, in our own heart, how true his word is for them, then we would be bold enough to even speak it over them. So beliefs about God, beliefs about ourselves, beliefs about other people, and beliefs about our circumstances. If he can lie to you in any of those four areas, he's building a stronghold. He's going to pin you down just like the giant, just like the kid in that picture. That's a good picture. Hmm. You know, I was thinking of Job. We were talking about Job. Someone was talking about Job recently, and I don't know. I don't really care for the book of Job a whole lot. I mean, it's the Bible, so I love the Bible. That means I love the book of Job as well. But I don't want to build my theology from Job. You know, Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He revealed the Father to us. If you want to see the Father, he said, look at me. If you see me, you've seen the Father. And the works I do, it's the works of the Father working through him. So Jesus is perfect theology, but Job has riches in that book. There are treasures in the book of Job. And one of my favorite treasures is in the very end, Job 40, chapter 40, verse 4, when after all the stuff was said and done, after Job lost everything and every, all the believers came around him and tried to preach to him and tried to tell him, well, you must have sinned or something must be wrong. Well, you know, even his wife was like, just curse God and be done with it, you know. You're, you're cursed. She was speaking the enemy's lies too. We really don't know for sure in the book of Job who was hearing God clearly and declaring it, but we do know in the very end when Job got one look, one glimpse of God, he said, let's see which version, NIV, New Living, English. I'll just pick one, English Standard Version. Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. <laughs> that just messes me up even thinking about it. One look at him. I place my hand over my mouth. Who am I? 
I can't argue with him. And I need to learn in this life because it's not the end right now. I'm not face to face with him and going into his kingdom forever. I'm here on earth and I have a purpose. You have a purpose. And he wants to unpin the giants. He wants to unpin you. He wants to break off the lies. But part of that unlocking and that unpinning of the lies is learning when to put your hand over your mouth. Because when we begin, I'm just kind of tying into what Dave and Sharon preached last week. These guys got it in them for years now. This whole thing about a revelation of the power of your own words, the stuff we speak. We all know that even outside of the Christian world, that when you speak negativity over people, it has an effect on them. When you speak hopelessness about your own life and about your body and sickness and you just constantly dwell on the negative, it will have an effect on you. Scientists know that stuff. But in the Bible, it's even more clear. God has made it clear to us. There is life and death in the power of your tongue. And out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. And the enemy wants to speak lies, and he wants you to partner with him and declare those lies. So I would encourage all of us to recognize, learn to recognize when those lies are coming in. It's a, it's a long process, but, but it's worth giving yourself to the process of being transformed, being changed, having a personal transformation in your own life based on renewing your thoughts, renewing your mind on God's truth. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Who has known the mind of the Lord? But the New Testament continues that verse and says, but we have the mind of Christ. He has revealed it to us. So he didn't leave us hanging half empty. He's given us the mind of Christ, and that is part of our inheritance as Christians. Jesus paid the price so that you could have a renewed mind, so that you could walk in newness of life, so that you could learn how to combat the liar. Second Corinthians, I think it's like, I always mess this up. Somewhere in Corinthians it says, the weapons of our warfare, the weapons that God has given us to fight with, they're not physical weapons. They're not guns and knives and swords. They're mighty through God. They're powerful spiritual weapons, mighty through God to pull down those strongholds, to unpin the lies. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And it continues to say, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Every lofty thought and vain imagination, all of the crazy stuff that goes on in our heads, the things that we worry about, the things that we fear, the stuff that probably 95% of the time never even happens, but we occupy space in our minds worrying and giving room for those things. Those are those things that he's given us the weapon of pulling that down and making it submit to Christ, making it bow to the truth. See, God is all about being in the business of exchange. He wants to free all of us up and exchange 
the lies for truth. Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So it sounds like the main part of the battle is up here. It's just between our ears and who we're listening to. The Bible talks a lot about being connected to the head, growing up into him who is the head. No, I was just, that's fine. I was just thinking, you know, like the whole thing with Emily going to college, she's going, by the way, um, <laughs> that you know that you have that authority when you go into situations to change the atmosphere. And obviously it starts with us. We have to change our mindset and how we think. And I was just thinking, I just keep getting this picture of, I don't know, of school when she goes that, Revival is going to break out in that place because she carries the Holy Spirit. She's going to go in there. That whole culinary program is going to change. It's going to be amazing. She's going to open her bakery and her pub. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be cool. So, yeah. I agree. Revival starts right there with you. With every one of us, revival begins with you. You're a revivalist. You carry the kingdom of God within you, and he's just waiting to get out. He just wants to transform your thinking, transform your heart, transform your dreams so that you you can begin to walk and dream with him and walk into the destiny and the prophetic future that he has. He sees it already done. He's calling us to walk into something. We can trust him. We can trust him. His plan, his outcome is good. And he's inviting us to run in his direction. So I'm gonna, we're going to end with one thing, but I want to skip that Psalm 91, the part that's broken up into multiple verses. Sorry, Dave. I know it's one of Dave's favorite verses. He who dwells in the shadow of the Most High shall abide. In the shadow. I said shadow twice. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know that verse, but I'm, I'm learning it. I mean, I do know it, but I always get that part mixed up. So we're going to go on to the next, the next one, the exousia one, because I just I feel like God wants to convince all of us. Remember, I was saying that the lies are about God and about ourselves and about others in our circumstances. One of the, the main things that God is highlighting in this season right now are the lies that we believe about ourselves. Romans 8 says, all creation, this whole world, groans and longs and is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. And as long as the devil can keep you ineffective and powerless through lies, that's, he's done his job. He's a liar. But if the truth of God can set you free and you can walk in who he's called you to be, you can grow up into this mature son or daughter who knows you know who you are and you know who you carry within you. You know the power. You've got this revelation of the great inheritance that you've received in Jesus. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work for it. If Jesus paid it all, 
the cross made available for us to walk in this rich inheritance, glorious inheritance in the saints. Oscar. (laughs) You too, Oscar. You're a rich man. You're a powerful man of God who's going to declare the truth and you're going to pull down strongholds for the kingdom of God. You too, Nora. Sorry, I, I put him on the spot. I embarrassed him, I think. Or he's feeling that power, so. Sorry, man, look what I did. He's a good, good father. I'm just a good father. I'm, <laughs> I'm working at it. Okay, so... God is highlighting in this year, this was one of the, even Bobby Connor wrote a book, uh, it's a yearly book he writes called The Shepherd's Rod. He goes every Yom Kippur, whoever knows, who knows what, what the date of the calendar is, sometime in September on the Jewish calendar, every Yom Kippur, this guy, he's a prophet in the worldwide church, um, he goes to this, this place that's really quiet, uh, a property, on that feast of Yom Kippur, and he gets a download from God. God gives him this this book that he ends up writing called The Shepherd's Rod. And so The Shepherd's Rod for 2018 is highlighted sonship. Sonship. God is highlighting sonship. And when I say sons, I mean girls and boys alike. You are a son You're not just a follower. You're not just a believer. You're not just a servant of God. He wants to take you from a mentality of serving God to being a son in the kingdom, to being a daughter in the kingdom. It's important to him. That's why we go over a lot of these scriptures, or we have been at least in this season. I'd like to go into some teaching on the apostolic and prophetic and fivefold ministry stuff, but this leads right into that. But this is what God has on his heart right now for the church, for us. It's what he's stirring inside of me on a daily basis, knowing who I am, so that when the lies come, I don't have to be swayed by those lies. So I know who I am. I know I'm not a failure. I'm a blood-washed son. A royal son. Let's look at John 1. We all probably have heard this if you've been a Christian for a while. Yet to all who did receive him, speaking of Jesus, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. Pause for a second. Right in Greek is the word exousia. It's translated right, and it means much more than just, you got the right. You've got the okay, the green light. It means you have regal authority. If you have, be, if you have believed in Jesus and received him in your own life, you've made that transaction. You said, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I give my life to you. You've made that great exchange because he's all about exchange. He's all about trading, trading your crud for his good stuff. It's it's a win-win. You can't lose. When you give him your life and surrender your life to him, he gives you his life. He clothes you with his life, and he fills you with himself. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. Your life is now hidden in Christ. He's in you, and he's all around you. You're just like completely wrapped up like a baby. It's a good place to be. But he's given you exousia, the right, a sign of regal authority, a crown to become children of God, children not born of natural descent nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We have a royal identity. We're going to save the rest for next time because it's getting late. And the main theme that I had pulled some verses together were things that we're all familiar with. We've been talking about it. Uh, Dave greeted you all this morning as priests and kings. He wasn't just being cute, trying to think of some powerful words just to throw out there. It's part of the Bible. It's part of what Jesus died for you to walk in. Whether you walk in it or not, if you're a believer, you carry the DNA. It's kind of like the homeless person who's a millionaire and doesn't know it because they ended up homeless somehow and in a situation and they don't realize that they had a billionaire or millionaire uncle that passed away and they have this great inheritance, but they're not walking in it. It's, it's a rich person. They're maybe living in a tent out in the woods somewhere, but they're, they're rich. They just don't know it. That is how many Christians are. Most of us are on a journey of unpacking and wrestling with the truth, trying to embrace it for ourselves. Always saying, is this really that true? God, is it really true that I'm a royal priest and a king? That I really am a dearly beloved son? That my sins really are completely washed away and blotted out? You no, no longer see me according to my record of sin because Jesus paid the price for it? Now you see me as holy and you call me holy? And righteous? We have to wrestle with those truths. But God is inviting us to partner with him, partner with the truth, and even be as bold and brave to speak it out over your own life and over the lives of others and over your situations and about him. Why don't we stand up? Let's stand up. I want to just mention once again, we want to make opportunity for prayer. If you want some personal prayer, there will be a group of us up in the front here. So we try to keep this space open for that that need. Um, We will um, break out of that at some point and just visit and chat. But we, we really want to make sure that if anyone ever comes to this gathering with a need, that that need gets touched, that that need gets met. We never want to be a church where people come broken and leave broken. We want to encourage. We want to strengthen. We want to help untangle things. Sometimes we just get all tangled up, and we want to just straighten things out, and we want to see the kingdom of God released because he's here. He loves us. He loves you, and he wants to bring hope and freedom and healing. So, Jesus, we love you. And we just, I just, I'll speak it for myself, but I want to encourage you guys to speak it to him yourself. 
I love you, Lord, and I just give you my heart again and again. I know it's yours. I know I gave it to you 20-some, well, 30 years ago almost, but I give it to you freshly today. I give you my heart, my mind, my body, my, my week, this week coming up, God, I know the post office isn't going to kill me. You're going to give me adventures. You're going to give me divine appointments. You're going to give me people on the street, on my postal route, that I get a witness to and tell them of your love and pray for them. It's not going to be a bad week. I'm going to declare that this is going to be a good week. God, I declare your great love and favor over myself and over my family and over this church. I thank you so much for your great love. Jesus, you paid it all. You paid a high, the highest price. You have paid the highest price. Help us to honor and value all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.